Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to Artistic Accomplices. I am your host, Eric Scott, and this is the podcast that's all about creative encouragement. I want to be that little voice that's in your ear encouraging you to make, to create, to do the things that you've been wanting to do. So let's dive into today's episode. Hey, 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 thank you so much for joining me once again for Artistic Accomplices. I am your host, Eric Scott, and today I am joined by a good friend of mine, a very special guest. He's been on the podcast before, but I invited him back to be my very first remote podcast interview. So I'm I'm very happy, very pleased, very excited to have my very good friend, Steve Loya, back on the podcast. And in today's episode, we we kind of talk about this whole situation, the stay at home, this lockdown quarantine situation that we find ourselves in at this moment because of that coronavirus, because of COVID-19. And I talk with Steve about some, some ideas or some strategies or things that we can do as creative, uh, creative folk to, to find inspiration, to kind of keep going and, and try to find a new normal with what's going on. So um, just very appreciative of Steve joining me today. And of course, we were social distance, distancing, um, and that's why he was my first remote interview. So let's go ahead and get into it with Steve. So Steve, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me uh, today on the podcast. Uh just like everybody, we are practicing social distancing, and uh, so this is my first remote interview, so uh, thank you for being my, my guinea pig. I appreciate that. My pleasure, Eric. <laughs> um, so I've interviewed Steve before, uh, about nine or ten months ago, back in uh, June or so, and we got in a really nice conversation about his journey into art, but um, really wanted to kind of bring him on today to kind of maybe talk about sort of what we're all going through. So, um, you know, so first of all, like Steve, I mean, with, with all the craziness, the, the COVID-19 and we're all on this, uh, here in Virginia, we're on a stay at home order. Um, how are you doing, man? <laughs> hey, well, thank you for asking. Um, I'm doing better. And, and I feel like with each day, I'm doing a little better. Um, I remember, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, if you were talking to me now, I would probably be hiding under my sheets. You know, <laughs> just, um, it, it was kind of a shock, but at the same time, we, we were hearing things. Um, but it did feel like, in a way, at least when they canceled school um, quite suddenly, it felt like the carpet was pulled out from under us so suddenly. And I was telling my wife, Chris, how this is going to be an adjustment because. I am so used to being around people day in, day out, and lots of people talking to people, interacting with people every day um, from the minute I, I get to school until I get home around three or four, four thirty. And now here I am trying to figure out what to do with myself <laughs> and having all this time to think about a lot of things that initially were very, very uncomfortable yeah. things to think about. But I, I feel like we all adapt in some way. And with each day, I feel like most people, I mean, it's, this is just speaking for me. Um, I don't know how universal this is, but I feel like with most people, we're, we're kind of approaching more of an acceptance mode. And how, how do we get through this? How do we cope? And I think, at least as an artist, I'm doing things that are artist related yeah. to, to cope, as you are. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I think, well, I think it really came as a big shock to everyone, um, especially here, you know, in Northern Virginia, where we both live, the school system just abruptly said, hey, we're, we're, we're closing school for um, a couple weeks, and it took everybody by surprise. And so there was a lot of things to figure out. And I think a lot of people everywhere are trying to figure out like, okay, what is this? what does this mean? What are we doing? What is the new normal yeah. going on? And 
like you said, that that period of adjustment. And I think it looks like, at least from social media, that things are kind of settling down and people are settling into mm-hmm. this this new routine and this this new normal. But I, I want to kind of go back before we were all kind of staying at home and socially distancing because you talked about being around people um, all the time. And, you know, as a, as a elementary art teacher, you're, you have your, your colleagues, you have your students and things. And so as a teacher, as a former teacher, I know how busy life can be. So like before this, like mandatory slowdown happened, what, like, how were you finding time to, like for your creativity, for your artwork, yeah. what, what what were some of your things that you were doing? That's a good question. Um, I, oddly enough, I find when I'm on a set schedule that I'm better with setting a time time frame to work on things. So I have my basement studio, and a lot of times I come home, I'd pass out on the couch for a little bit, have something to eat, hang out with Chris a bit, and then I'd set aside maybe an hour or two or even three to go down in the basement and work on drawings or work on paintings or whatnot. Um, Whereas I find now I'm more of in a reflective mode where I'm returning to things that I've made before, thinking about those things more, even writing about them. But um, while I was working at school, I'd come home and I'd have something. I actually had, I guess you could say, artistic projects set up for me to pursue. Mm -hmm. And I would hit those at full speed. And it was something to look forward to because it was my time. It was me time. And um, I, I really would get into it. Yeah. But so. well, I think having that schedule, it's one of the things I, the pieces of advice that I give people, that notion of like showing up. And if we set a schedule and, you know, when you have that schedule, like, oh, I have to be at work at this time. And then this time is mine. You know, it's, it seems to be a little bit easier. Have you been able now that we're on this stay at home order? Have you, have you found a way to kind of schedule time or is it a little bit more open-ended, a little bit more free? It, it is definitely more open-ended and more free. And I, I found that I, maybe this is kind of a strong word, having trouble with it, but, but I found that's an adjustment thing right now. I'm trying to figure out when do I set aside time? to work on things instead of sitting down and binge watching whatever series is popular (laughs) on Netflix or movie or whatever. So, you know, I've been watching a lot of TV, unfortunately, but I have been working on art and I I found, so currently I'm working on these little mini paintings. You might've seen them. I call them tone poems and they're little four and a half by four and a half inch watercolor papers that I do abstract acrylic pieces. And I find if I do one a day, at least I'm making something small each day, even if it takes me half an hour to an hour, at least I'm staying in some kind of creative mode, some kind of artistic mode. Um, So, and sometimes it it won't be so linear. Sometimes I'll make four in a day and then for four days I won't make anything, (laughs) but it's, it's still some kind of, my mind is still in a creative kind of space for that week. Yeah, I think it's kind of like exercise, you know, um, you, you try to keep in that habit of, of you know, doing at least something uh, here recently, I've got try to get back into walking more because uh, even before the stay at home uh, order, I mean, a lot of, a lot of my time was at home, you know, as you as a freelancer, as a, as somebody who, who is part of that gig economy, yeah. You know, it's like a lot of my work is like sitting on the couch with a computer, emailing people or, or doing social media and that kind of stuff. So um, this wasn't a huge adjustment for me because a large part of my week has been was usually kind of at home anyway. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, it's like an exercise, like trying to get back into that routine and, and get myself moving and, and things like that. So I, I kind of feel like with art, a lot of times there's a lot of. Um, uh, correlation or a lot of uh, uh, analogy between the kind of like working out and exercising because it's you know it's it's creative exercise I guess is a good way mm-hmm. of putting it. Um, so I don't know I, I know you occasionally listen to the um, Creative Pep Talk podcast. Oh yeah, love it. And, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you listen. <laughs> I don't know if you listened to it um, recently. I think. 
uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, he was, uh, Andy J. Pizza, the host, was talking about how during this time that we have to be careful of like binging on uh, sort of the, the uh, unnutritious kind of stuff like mm -hmm. like a lot of social media kind of stuff and things yeah. like that and he, he was just saying how it was very easy to kind of fall into that you know because you know a lot of all this stuff is happening and people are on social media and they're trying to connect and all this stuff is coming up and yeah. you know watching like strange videos or things like that but then yeah. he talked about like trying to find inspiration elsewhere it's kind of like more nutritious so like he, he kind of related it to the hungry caterpillar Mm -hmm. and how like the hungry caterpillar goes and he's eating all this stuff that's not nutritiously filling and he's always hungry and then right. once he finally like gets that sort of uh the more nutritious stuff then like his hunger satisfied so mm -hmm. that was his analogy was the hungry caterpillar yeah i, I it, listened to that one and i really love um his analogy to us sheltering in place to uh chrysalis mode yeah kind of being in that that kind of incubation period right now where um, something is changing inside of us. Yeah. And it might not be apparent, but um, I, I really love that analogy. But uh, Sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm glad you listened to it because then you kind of yeah. know where I'm coming from. But he was talking about like looking for inspiration in like other forms, especially other art forms mm -hmm. and uh, or looking at like if you're an illustrator looking at instead of just hanging out on social media all the time, like going and looking up illustrators that you admire and kind of feeding your soul kind of with, yeah. with that kind of stuff. So how have you been sort of not just binging, like you said, you're, you've are you been watching a lot of Netflix and mm -hmm. a lot of TV and such. So um, are there other things that you've been kind of snacking on to use his, his kind of yeah. language? Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I've been reading a lot of my art books. You know, over the years, I've um, I guess collected lots of books, different kinds of artists. And honestly, some of them I might have looked at maybe two or three times in my lifetime. So I have a little place where I sit down by the fireplace now. In the morning, I'll open up the blinds, let the light come in, open up the, uh, the screen door, let some fresh air come in. And I'll look at different books. Like lately, I've been looking at the, um, the landscapes of David Hockney, which I find very comforting in a way. In fact, um, the day I decided to get my David Hockney landscape book, later on on social media, I found an article that David Hockney is currently posting landscapes that he's doing from his home in, I don't know if it's Norway, but he, he moved somewhere where there's a beautiful countryside yeah. he's currently residing and posting these daily um, sketches and drawings he's doing on his iPad. And apparently a lot of people are finding comfort in that. And I, I thought that was really interesting <laughs> to read that right after I yeah. pulled that book off the shelf. Um, but yeah, just reading a lot of art books and listening to a lot of music, just revisiting CDs I've had in my collection that, again, collecting dust, records, whatever, just sitting down in my basement, sitting in the dark, maybe while the laundry is going and just listening to music. So I, I feel those two things kind of, feed your soul creatively, if you want to put it that way. But um, yeah, it, it's a nice break. I, I feel, you know, we all need a balance. Um, you want to be aware of what's going on. You, you want to know what's happening. So you, you turn to Facebook, you turn to the news, but at the same time, it can be incredibly overwhelming and incredibly depressing. <laughs> and you do have to find that balance because it's, you could be completely oblivious and act like nothing is happening, happening, right? Mm -hmm. Not a good place to be. Or I, I've seen people, I have friends on social media that are constantly posting um, what so-and-so is doing, how terrible that person is, or what's happening now with the virus and all these terrible things. And I, I feel you have to kind of find some middle ground um, between being aware, but also doing things that make you happy, seeking things that make you happy. That's very important. And, yeah. and, you know, studies show that your immune system can be directly affected if, if you're not, if you're constantly looking at things that are negative or that, that just bring you down, 
you have to yeah. find those things that, that kind of bring light into your life. And I think artists play a big role in that. Musicians play a big yeah. role in that. And we've but, seen that a lot. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, I mean, it's, it's amazing. That's a, one of the things that I've been really amazed at uh, once this thing started and, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone's going on lockdown, everything's getting canceled artists and musicians and writers like stepped up and just basically said you know here you know you see musicians playing concerts from their homes you know and i just saw the other the other night that uh garth brooks and um and uh trisha yearwood they were they did a concert from their home studio yeah and they aired it on on tv uh mm -hmm. like on one of the, the major networks and cool. you know you see all these like live streaming um of musicians playing music and songs and such and and uh, you know so i think artists really stepped up and i keep seeing these memes that go that are on social media about how like in this time of crisis is like what do we turn to we, we turn to the arts yeah. we turn to the music we turn to the movies we turn to the books we turn to uh the visual arts and all that kind of stuff and, and, it, and i think it's really true yeah absolutely <laughs> I mean, of course, you know, my hat's off to the doctors and nurses and the medical people out there, the scientists, uh, those are the people uh, we need, the grocery store workers, right, the custodians, but also there's that side of life that is more, um, again, kind of nourishing to the soul um, that has to do with the arts, that has to do with music, acting, movies, film. I, I think we do take those for granted. And you see that when people pull funding, you know, National Endowment loses funding, um, our education programs lose funding. And, and you think when that funding is taken away, people aren't seeing the bigger picture. They're not mm -hmm. really thinking about, well, how, how do these things affect us in a positive way? And how are we hurting people by taking this away? Yeah. I, I think I just saw in Germany, I guess artists have been granted like a big, I don't know if it's like a $500 million grant or something to help out independent artists and people in the arts industries. Yeah. You don't yeah, I think, yeah. I think a lot of other countries are, well, just like stepping up with, with kind of supporting artists and, and like freelancers, independent contractors and such. Um, but anyway, um, we could kind of keep going on and on about, about this, but um Oh, I just I had I had a train of thought, and then all of a sudden it just got a little little derailed. Um, so that's all right. That's that's the hey. nature of this. And I don't I don't, I don't have anything written down today, so this I'm just no, completely doing winging doing winging that. it. <laughs> um, so I, I want to go back to you and music because for as long as I've known you, for almost thirty years now, you've been into music. I mean, that's, you, you turned me on to a lot of different uh, artists and bands whenever we were in college. And uh, I, we talked a little bit about this on our last interview, but I, I was kind of like, wanted, wanted to kind of maybe delve more into that because you said like you're using music as a way to kind of um, not just pass your time, but you know, it's like, you're, you're kind of getting into that now that you, that you're at, you know, you got you got to stay at home. You can't yeah. go to all those concerts that you like to go to and stuff like that. Yeah, so, it makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just kind of want to like maybe dive into that, uh, mm -hmm. like your your love of music, and then how maybe that has influenced or come out in your art. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Sure. Just kind of yeah. talk about this this love of music of yours. Well, yeah, and I, I think. I personally see a lot of parallels between music and art, the audio and the visual. Um, one thing when I work on a lot of art, I'll listen to music in the background, but I, I think it clicked at, at some point a couple of years ago, um, the merging, how do I merge music and art into my own work? How, how, do, I, how do I try to show music through sound or through, through um, color? How do I show color through painting right um so I, I really tried to work on that and i started a whole series based on something called chromesthesia which is is the, the uh, phenomenon where you can basically see sounds 
And it's something I don't have, but I thought it'd be kind of neat to explore that in art. And we see a lot of artists like Kandinsky. Um, it, there's a whole, even Georgia O'Keeffe apparently explored sound in her art. She was a big classical music fan. So she tried to show that in her paintings for a while, but then she went on to more um, representational work. But um, yeah, you know, I've been doing a lot of music-based paintings and whatnot over the past couple of years. And recently I've been collaborating with some local musicians. And before this all happened, the, the whole COVID thing, we actually, myself and um, some local musicians had a couple of actual releases planned that were kind of art and music related. So for instance, I've been working with a musician named Kristen Welsh. Um, he's, he, I guess you could categorize him in, as ambient guitar. Music is all instrumental. And I discovered him through Instagram, a, a big music fan, a record collector was posting um, footage of a concert he went to, a little mini concert at a record store in DC. And I thought, man, that guy is good. Who, you know, who is this person? And I, I went and checked out his music and I found out he lived nearby. And I went to check out one of his shows. We started talking and communicating back and forth. And we thought, let's do a collaboration where I'll work on like an abstract painting using different types of colors and textures. You try to interpret that, interpret that in your music and then vice versa. You send me a track and I will try to interpret that through my paintings. So over the course of maybe a half a year starting last spring, we accumulated about nine tracks, really beautiful, amazing tracks that he did. He, I, I had nothing to do with the music part, <laughs> but, um, and it, it got to the point where we had everything ready to go. We, we picked a, um, a CD manufacturer in California. Um, he lined up all the visuals. Well, Chris helped me a lot with that part. But we lined up all the visuals with the different tracks, had everything ready to go. And then this hit. <laughs> and we, you know, I discussed, I discussed it with Tristan over the phone. Like, what do you think we should do? Because... Um, currently, the, the factory is closed down, right? Yeah. So you can't even manufacture them. Now, you could go the digital route, but we did want to have something tangible for people to hold. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually making, so the, the little tone poems are actually part of this project. Um, the first 20 or 25 people who buy a copy gets a tone poem mm -hmm. with the CD. And at this point, I'm thinking, well, since we have this extra time and this release is now put on hold, I'll make one for every CD. So, you know, we're thinking limited number of a hundred pieces and then maybe release it digitally. And if people would rather have the download option, they can. Yeah. And the nice thing about Bandcamp is you could add visuals with each track. So you could look at a little picture, which isn't the same as having it like <laughs> physically in your hands or even seeing the painting yeah. in person. Um, but yeah, and I also collaborated with Again, Tristan and a few, actually about five other local musicians, kind of in the same realm, ambient, electronic, instrumental stuff um, on a project for Australian wildlife. So when we had the whole um, issue in Australia with the wildfires going crazy, decimating populations of koalas and kangaroos and whatnot, I kind of felt helpless as an animal lover. I thought, what can I do? And it was almost an instant knee-jerk reaction, like something art-related. So I'm going to start making these, returning to my kind of endangered kingdom portraits, drawing these Australian animals, giving them crowns. But how can I take this one step further? And I thought it might be kind of cool to see if local musicians can interpret these animals and these pictures mm -hmm. in, in their own way. Who knows? And I reached out to all of these people and they got back to me right away. I was amazed at the enthusiasm and the, the quick response. Cause I thought, Oh, I'll be lucky if I get one person, <laughs> you know? And, um, and again, that's been wrapped up. Um, you know, it's been mastered I actually sent it to a, a really, really great guy, a, a prominent musician in the area, a guy named um, Doug Kelmeyer, who was in a group called ambient eye. And he, um, he mastered all the tracks for us and he actually um, did a track for it as well. 
and he he says they're ready to go but again here we are you know we're going to do <laughs> do um 100 copies right with artwork so you have a book of artwork to go with each track but here it is now on hold so i mean in some ways kind of nice to just kind of stop and hit the brakes and relax a little but at the same time everything is kind of on hold yeah right so you just kind of have to look inwards and that's what i've been doing so while i'm doing a little bit of art i'm also reflecting on things i've done in the past that maybe i haven't thought of so much and um that's kind of where i am right now you know? yeah but um, I, I will say that, that these releases are going to be amazing i, I mean i'm <laughs> blown away at the quality of of the work that yeah. has come come from these artists these musicians well the nice thing is if you can release it digitally then people at least can get the music yeah it's not the yeah. same and but you know it's like if the other kind of music collectors are like you like you know yeah well, we'll take the digital now because that's what we yeah. can get but then it's like when they when, when they can actually have the physical copy then they're going to collect that because um, yeah yeah <laughs> and it's also a matter of relevance like right now you know sadly who's who's thinking of kangaroos right yeah. now and, i mean I, I might be in the minority, but right now people are just thinking about how am I going to get through the next day? Yeah. A lot of people are thinking about how am I going to make some money right now? Um, but at the same time, I, I do believe, you know, global warming, environmental um, destruction and um, the loss of habitats and species will, will always be an issue. And it's something we can all band together and combat in some way through our art uh, for instance, all the all the money I, I didn't mention this. All the money, all the proceeds from this release, is going to an organization in Australia. So I'm thinking yeah. right now, I was doing some research, and um, an an organization called Aussie Ark right now they um, they set aside land and they help repopulate different kinds of species. Um, I'm thinking of the money going to them, but I'm not sure yet. So we're still working on that part, but. But, um, but like you, know, you that said, will always be an issue. But it's just not on the on the tops of people's minds right now. Yeah. Well, like so. you said, it's this this whole new situation has kind of commandeered everyone's attention, you know. And it's when we were seeing all that footage of of the wildfires in Australia, you know, and seeing that devastation, it's like, oh, that's front and center. Oh, we have yeah. to do something. And then it's like, oh, now here we are like months later and it's like oh there's there's this other <laughs> this huge worldwide crisis now and it's like how mm -hmm. are we kind of dealing with 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 that so yeah. um so i do i want i'm going to go back you were talking about the music and talking about your your collaborations um and that that word ambient so a lot of the i know a lot of the music that you listen to is what people might consider ambient do you want to like talk about that and like what oh, yeah. why why that why you enjoy that and how that i mean you're talking about how like that uh that chromesthesia how do you how do you say that, that yeah that's right chromesthesia yeah so synesthesia yeah and so and you're talking about how you know kind of trying to relate sound to visual images um but you know it's like because I, I think whenever a lot of people are like oh yeah i listen to music and mm -hmm. it's like they think about like their favorite bands like you know pop rock you know singers yeah. and such which you you listen to those things too but oh, yeah, i know a, a big part of your collection is is this kind of ambient or instrumental and so what's what's been the the appeal or the attraction to that kind of music for you mm -hmm. i i that's a great question and i shouldn't assume that that a lot of people listen to this although i feel like it is definitely experiencing a resurgence um mm -hmm. You know, in the early 90s, it was getting kind of vague, and it was more a result of um, the whole techno movement, and it's more like a come down from that. Whereas I think now it's more we're so overstimulated now that um, so-called ambient or instrumental music has a kind of relaxing quality to it. Although a lot of it doesn't, some actually can be quite unsettling and um, can jar your senses depending on on the the subgenre. But um, I guess in plain words, I, I like I like the um, that there's no you're not spoon fed the meaning, so it can be interpreted in different ways. 
Um, I think in a lot of ways, when I think of music, I think of different tones, having colors. I think of the layers in, in the electronic music or the ambient music, having different textures. So you can relate that to like a watercolor painting, just the different layers and colors of paint or um, an acrylic painting and how those um, harmonies kind of merge. And you see that when colors merge in a painting. I feel there are so many parallels that, that the two are almost um, intertwined. Mm -hmm. Although it, it's, it's a very um, non, I don't, I don't know how to say it, non-literal way of, yeah. sort of listening to music or making music or looking at art or making art. It, it's, you can interpret it different ways. I mean, sure, there are different tones, there are different moods, there's a different feel to different types of um, instrumental or electronic or ambient music. But um, it's really open to more interpretation, which I love. I love that freedom. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like some people with more literal minds, they, they need the lyrics. They need, and that's fine, because I, I appreciate that too. But I, I guess mm -hmm. I'm more an ambient guy. <laughs> well, would that. you would would you kind of relate um, ambient music to kind of like more non-objective type art? I know yeah. a lot of people will say like, oh, abstract art, but abstract art can be representational yeah. can can have a very specific meaning yeah. whereas yeah. non-objective art is really means no object no subject so yeah um yeah. so so do you think that that's a good comparison like non-objective art to that, that's actually a more accurate comparison um could, because a lot of times you can't really i guess identify the instrumentation yeah. um sounds can be manipulated from any kind of source material um, I, I remember seeing a show in Pittsburgh. I used to go to these cool shows at a place called the Millville Industrial Theater. And I remember this guy had um, a glass with ice cubes in it. And he had a contact mic in the glass. And he literally was playing this glass of ice cubes <laughs> and then manipulating the sound uh, on a mixer. And I thought that is such a strange but cool way of making music it, it was borderline non-music but so your source material can be anything you, you can manipulate sounds from anything to create music from it's not like oh that's a guitar or that's um that's a set of drums um and a lot of times if a guitar is used such as in the case with say um, tristan welsh's music when you listen to it a lot of times you wouldn't even know you'd think keyboards or strings mm -hmm. or something otherworldly some strange alien <laughs> communications going on, you know. So I, I do like that openness um, in both painting and, yeah. and in music. But. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can definitely see that, like with with those uh, the tone poems that you were mentioning, and then also the the series of the larger uh, acrylic paintings that you had been doing. Um, I don't know if you have a, a particular. Uh, word or name for those that series of paintings or not but um yeah so it's it's just I, th I think it's a really interesting kind of connection between the two the two different art forms and uh you know part of this broad or part of this podcast is to try to help inspire and encourage uh artists and and makers and musicians and creative types to to really kind of think about how they can make those connections because I think you know making connections is part of the creative process um so we, let's take your tone poems for for example are you I mean what is your creative process for those little you said they're four and a half by four and a half squares yeah, yeah. so the tone poems um yeah they, they obviously are kind of a reference to music or even um, poetry itself but really, sometimes I'm not even listening to music. And it's more like a reverse process. Like when it's finished and the viewer looks at it, what, what do you see? But also, what might you hear? Mm -hmm. Right? Um, but those are pretty easy. You know, I'll tape off the sides. I try to make a little border and establish kind of a boundary on that paper. And I might put down, you know, squirt a little bit of paint here and there. Um, I use some ink. And I'll use um, either palette knives or a squeegee. And I kind of just very carefully, not, not very happy. 
haphazard of it, very carefully, was kind of scrape it around, try different things. I, I would say about one third of every attempt is a fail. Most of them, or not most, but a good third of them have been thrown away because <laughs> they either gotten too muddy or just completely messed up. I mean, you could, you could really mess up creating non-objective art. <laughs> but again, a lot of it is in the eye of the, eye of the beholder, but um, it's a fairly simple process inspired by music, but more of a reverse thing, like where the viewer might imagine what kind of song or, or musical passage when looking at it, yeah. if, if any. And that's why I call them tone poems, because you have different tonalities of color. Um, you might have a very dark piece with lots of darker colors, maybe different shades of purple, but then you have a little bit of orange or yellow kind of flickering through that those could be bright melodies within um you know long thick passages of of sound um but it, it's it seems a little indulged but it's something that i guess as an artist takes my mind off of things and hopefully other people as well yeah you know? well i mean I, like you were saying like artists like kandinsky and and many others have always drawn inspiration from from music and so I, I i don't think it's indulgent in any kind of way um but i really i like that notion like you know it's uh you call it like and you even title them tone poem so it, i think it kind of helps the viewer to be like oh okay a tone and you know th that that notion of of trying to hear something uh but it, it's it's an interesting notion this notion of hearing with your eyes maybe yeah. um yeah and, exactly and uh, there you know, with teaching art, we always kind of talk about unity and rhythm and harmony and, mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And so there's a lot of correlation between music and yes. art. Um, so you were talking about re, uh, revisiting your art books, um, trying to find some inspiration from, from different artists, uh, and then talking about turning to music. Uh, are there any other sources that you use to kind of draw inspiration or motivation from uh, maybe not necessarily during this time period, but any time period, like what, you know, besides yeah. that, besides art oh, books. Yeah. yeah. I, I think maybe first and foremost, nature. Um, you know, I don't know what I do without having these windows and this yard around mm -hmm. our house, um, especially during this time. It, it's the one thing more than anything that has kept me somewhat happy and sane. <laughs> but um, just the colors of nature, um, the temperature, the feel in the air, I, I think th those are very um, nourishing, but also very inspiring. So it, even if I take a small walk, just the, the sights and sounds um, make me happier, but also can inform my work. That's one reason why I miss living in Leesburg. I found the walks in Leesburg were much more interesting than, yeah. say, the walks here in Sterling, Virginia, um, <laughs> just with the history and what. Yeah. I would take a walk maybe four times a day or four times a week, and I'd always come back with new ideas. Something would, and a lot of times it was photography. So I'd, I'd bring my little digital camera around. This was before you could just use your phone to take <laughs> pictures. And I would go on these little little photo hunts like just try to find things that were kind of interesting or for whatever reason, sometimes for reasons I couldn't put into words, but for whatever reason kind of stood out to me as an interesting shape or color or, or texture or the way the sun hit a building or the way um, a tree cast a shadow. Mm -hmm. I would try to take pictures of those. And you, you might've seen them. Oh, yeah. um, you know, Chris got me an Instagram way at the beginning especially when they had all those neat weird filters <laughs> and i just remember all my pictures are very um kind of abstracted photos of yeah. things so um yeah you know just just being aware of your surroundings i mean the small things like, like the mm -hmm. way shadows flicker in your house through the trees in the morning mm -hmm. um I, I find that incredibly inspiring do you find now, uh, do you still kind of take your phone now and kind of capture those same types of things? Or do you find that you've kind of, you do it a little bit, but then maybe not yeah. as much as you used to? Yeah, I, I do it. It's, it's not as much. 
Um, I, I wish I did get back, back into that um, because it really keeps you aware. It, it keeps you on your toes, but more in a uh, subconscious way yeah. and in like um, a dutiful way. Yeah. It's kind of where, where you train your brain to notice things. Yeah. Um, it's just like keeping a habit of, um, I think about Danny Gregory and his daily habit of sketching um, the mundane things, something, something I do a lot with my students, you know, draw everyday objects, try to find the extraordinary in the ordinary. And I think that's really important. And especially during these times. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're, we're all spending so much time within yeah. our homes or around our homes and not going a lot of different places. So yeah. uh, things are going to get very ordinary uh, and, and maybe even some people will say kind of boring, but I yeah. think it's, uh, that, that notion you were talking about of like that, that habit of uh, finding the extraordinary and the ordinary. Um, I, I, th I kind of think about like when you had a digital camera, it's like, okay, I, I'm purposely carrying this other object around with me. And even, even if you're just going out for a walk, you know, okay, in my pocket or on my, on, on my wrist, I have this little camera and its sole purpose is to take pictures. And yeah. so you, you probably, it's easier to be in that habit of, of noticing when you yeah. have that, that object. Whereas like with a, a phone, you know, it's, I mean, I don't even know why we call them phones anymore because yeah. we it's don't, computer. yeah, I don't, I, I, I really hate talking on the phone. So yeah, the too. majority of what I do on my, my smartphone is computer stuff it's it's yeah. social media it's you know that kind of stuff I, I take pictures i use it a lot for my art and stuff but um but i think you know being having a, this multifunctional device yeah makes it harder to be intentional with it right you know it's like where we're, when you have like a dedicated camera and you're walking around it's like you have this physical object that you're like oh okay i'm gonna walk around and make sure that I take pictures. Yeah. You yeah. know, and with a phone, it's kind of like you sort of almost sometimes forget that you even have it on you or yeah. you don't yeah. think about it in like using it in, in the, that way. So that's true. Yeah. I, I, and I like how you put that, like you, you have, it's, it's almost an intent to go out yeah. and, and take these pictures. And I just remember the thrill of, of getting home and then plugging it into my computer and uploading the photos and seeing what they really look like on a computer screen and, and you know, what, what can stay and what can go, yeah. which was always so much nicer than, and this might date us, but it was almost, is always so much nicer than when you would get actual photos from the, the photo <laughs> mat. And well, you know, and four out of 26 that turned out. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was just going to mention that. I mean, like, that was that, you know, when we were in school, when we were in high school and well, middle school, high school, college, that's, that's what you did. You had, you had a film camera and you had no idea what it would look like, at least with a digital camera, you know, you had, unfortunately they, they always had like a little tiny screen. So you had an idea like about the composition and whether it yeah. looked good, but um, you know, you could always delete things that you really knew didn't work, you know? Right. And right. But then it's like when you got them back into the computer and you saw them bigger and you're like, yeah. oh, wow, that one really works. And then, of course, you can always manipulate it and crop it much, you know, you, unless you had a dark room, you really couldn't do that with with traditional film photography. Yeah. So um, definitely. Ooh, had something in the dark room, too. Right? Yeah. Bought photography to high school kids. Yeah. When I was in high school, I think my my junior year, I was actually in charge of the high school dark room, which in itself it was such such a uh, a cool thing like this yeah. ritual of going in setting up the, the soft bath and the fixer and, and the, the chemicals even though they're harmful i love the smell of it <laughs> <laughs> well I, I like i like that word ritual so you just mentioned that as far as like the dark room but like mm -hmm. you can also you can also think about it like as far as making art i mean just that that idea of you walking around with a digital camera and being able to know something that became a ritual, something that yeah. is a, you know, and you think about a ritual that something that you do over and over again, it's a, it's a habit. It's a way of setting that intention. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I think perhaps that's part of the creative process or making art or creating things is 
that that notion of having some type of intention. It doesn't have to be very specific, but that notion of like, okay, my intention is to walk around and and have this camera and try to notice things and, mm-hmm. and take interesting sort of abstract images. Or yeah. I know for me personally, a lot of times when I sit down at my studio table and it's like, okay, my intention is just to start getting something going on these little pieces of art. Not yeah. that notion of like, oh, I'm going to make this masterpiece. I don't. Right. Right. So do you have any, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, and that's something I know you talk a lot about how um, your journaling process and even working on your, your individual pieces are a very nonlinear thing. Yeah. And that's something I discovered working on my abstract series of paintings a couple of years ago is that at first in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this painting done in such and such a time and then move on the next week Mm -hmm. and do one. And I found as the weeks progress, that's just not how it works. Yeah. And even into months into the series, I would return and do completely different things to those paintings. And I think, and I don't want to repeat too much about what we talked about when you interviewed me at first, but I think we did touch base on this a bit. Um, how a lot of times art is not a non, non-linear thing and it's just good to get something started even yeah. if you make a few marks on your paper for 10 minutes a day and and just return <laughs> to it if you can well it's, it's hard for a lot of people it's yeah. just returning or, or just getting sitting down at your table or your, your studio and actually making something mm-hmm. instead of watching yeah. whatever <laughs> Oh, it's, that, it's that idea of inertia, you know, when you're sitting down watching something, then it's like, oh, I have to overcome gravity and, and stand up and turn off the, the computer or turn off the TV. And it's just easier to, to stay in your, in your, on your couch or in your chair. Um, but what you were just saying about, uh, about like just getting something started just reminds me and I, I have shared this before on the podcast and I know I've shared it with you, but a couple of my favorite um, quotes, one of them is by artist Chuck Close and uh, his famous quote is inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. And so his notion is that you just, you start the work and then the ideas come. And that's, that's how I always look at my journaling and and my art making is like, let me sit down and start something and then I can figure out what it's going to be about. I can figure out those, yeah. the, the, the ideas, the concepts, the themes. Um, and the other one is um, by, I think it's Picasso, uh, but uh, I think it's something, his is like inspiration does exist, but it has to find you working. Yeah. Um, so and, and so that notion again, that, that when you are working, when you start something, your hand is moving I think something clicks in your mind and going back to that idea of a ritual of, of a habit of something that you do. So you were talking at the beginning of this about how for you during the school year, when you're teaching and you're on that schedule, then your ritual becomes like, Oh, I'm going to come home, take a nap, then have dinner, spend a little bit of time with my wife. And then I'm going to go down and make some art. Maybe I, maybe I don't do that every day, but, yeah. You do it enough that it becomes kind of a habit, becomes kind of a, a ritual. Do you have any other kind of like little rituals that help you, help motivate you or help get you going or help make, help you get started with making things? Um, this might sound kind of boring, but it's probably one of the most common rituals that most people have. And, and you can probably guess it, and that's making coffee <laughs> in the morning. In fact, it is funny because yesterday Chris made this really good iced coffee, right? Mm-hmm. And she left it in a fridge for me to have this morning. And I completely bypassed it, went straight, you know, to, to um, I, I do that, what you call it a filter coffee where you just mm-hmm. drip through and, you know, got my, my coffee grounds and, and just started making it, you know, heat up the kettle. And so I, I'm just so used to that ritual, but it's kind of the, the one thing I need before anything else, <laughs> making the coffee, you know, hearing the water boiling, smelling, smelling the coffee and drinking the coffee. And, and that's kind of a ritual that, that just, I don't know what it is, but it just kind of sets everything else in motion. Yeah. I don't know if that's a creative ritual. I mean, I guess you could get creative with your coffee. Yeah. But 
Well, I mean, I think just anything that gets you going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think um, anything that gets you going, but I mean, is there anything, yeah. is there anything like more specific to your art making or? Um, um, you know, it, I, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of random. As long as I, I visit, I mean, there, there's a need. I have a need to go down into the studio. Um, if I don't after a couple of days or a few days, I, I do tend to get kind of moody and not, not feel so good about things. And um, so eventually the studio will find me down there. <laughs> and, um, whether I, I set aside a certain time or not, I'll find myself down there working on something. Um, putting on a CD, getting some paper, cutting it up or, or finding a canvas and just playing around with paint. And eventually, like you said, you know, Picasso said how um, inspiration is found in the work process. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of the whole waiting for the muse to <laughs> arrive or, or that whole romanticized. Yeah. You do, you have to work. And, yeah. and that's when the things almost at a subconscious level start, start happening in your brain and, and going onto paper or canvas or whatever. It's not such a um, literal thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this the last time, but I, I, I do think that there's this myth that people have that artists sit down and they fully imagine or fully envision what they're going to make and then they set out to make it. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes we do that. Sometimes we might have a, a vague notion, yeah. um, but then we go to make it and then we have to sort of balance that that vision that we had with the actual artwork. And I think a lot of times people get frustrated because the vision that they have in their mind doesn't match what they're actually making. And yeah. it gets really frustrating. So I think that, if we, yeah. So I was just gonna say- not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, well, I think, it, I think sometimes though people are like, oh, well, it has to match. And because it doesn't matching that I'm doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I you know, and that's part of this, the, the mission of this podcast is to, to try to help dispel some of these, these myths and these misconceptions that we have about creating and making things. And, you know, whether we're, 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 we're musicians or writers or artists or whatever our creative bent is, that there are things that we can do to kind of, kind of help ourselves to kind of get going and, and things like that. And, yeah. and I think in this time period, like, you know, we're all, we're all going through this together. This isn't just something that's isolated that just a few of us are going through. Yeah. Um, and I think more, more and more people are turning to things like podcasts to help them get through. Um, and so, you know, I would ask if you have any kind of advice for folks during this time as, you know, we're cooped up in our houses and some people are really stressed out about things. Um, and you, you've, you've talked about finding this balance and, and uh, talk, you know, we talked about being inspired by other things, but is there any kind of advice that you would give people yeah. to help them through? Yeah, I mean, now more than ever, you're seeing artists and musicians offering their services, right? For, for free, essentially, in many ways. Um, and, and they set a really good example as to what we can accomplish if we, we just do it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you're waiting to, to make that drawing or if you're waiting to start writing or learn that instrument, I think now's, now's a good time. And now that more than ever, um, it's therapeutic. It will take your mind off of things. You will engage more with yourself, I think, um, mentally, even you know, spiritually if you want to put it that way, but I, I find you'll find a lot of fulfillment by just trying something new creatively and you don't have to show it to anyone or you can, that, that's fine. Um, find someone who's supportive. Um, there are communities all over now online that, that are there to help you and encourage you. And I think of your podcast and I think of the creative pep talk and, and so many more that people can turn to and I think now's the time to start listening to those podcasts and start, start exploring things that you might have been afraid to explore. Um, now would be the time. <laughs> it's that simple. Yeah. Because you really can't, you know, we, Chris and I, we, we haven't really gone anywhere in almost two weeks, right? <laughs> I think 
about how I used to go all all over the place. Oh, I have this concert I'm going to. Um, I might eat out here or let's go see a movie here. Well, now we're kind of stuck indoors, so to say. So mm -hmm. now we are kind of forced to, to do things. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at books that I haven't seen. I haven't looked at in ages. I'm listening to music that I haven't done or listened to in so long. And I, I'm, I'm making art um, on a regular, somewhat regular basis. Yeah. So I, I think now's the time for people to try things and, and maybe do it as a family or do it with your spouse yeah. or your partner or whoever. You could, you could have, you could do what we're doing right now. I mean, what an amazing yeah. time. Um, technology is becoming more human. I mean, we're yeah. just talking. Who would have known that we could do that 20 years ago? Or oh, yeah. Years ago? Well, and especially, you know, like you're just 20 miles down the road from me, but, um, you know, you could be on the opposite side of the of the world yeah. and, and yeah. you and I could be having this conversation. And that's that's the amazing thing. And and I know artists and actually I'm one of the artists who I'm inviting people to come into um, sort of some of these online meeting places and and make art together and you see yeah. that see that in the news a lot where uh people are coming together whether it's to you know celebrate a birthday or just to hang out or they're having virtual happy hours yeah. and you know people are finding a way to stay connected and uh, I, I i kind of when this all like started happening i got i was i was a little stressed out about things more just the fact yeah. that like oh all this stuff that i had scheduled is getting canceled yeah. but then when I started realizing like, oh, there are millions of people that are in the same boat that I am. And I just yeah. saw just saw the uh, unemployment figures that the latest ones are like um, six million people have, have yeah. filed for unemployment here in the States. And before that, the, follow, the week before that, it was three million. Right. And then before that, the, the most that ever had been was like 600,000. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're so beyond that now. So many people are, are very much, they're, they're in that, you know, they're just in that, that, that boat where, you know, things are just, you know, yeah. we're not really sure what's going on. Um, yeah. So I stressed yeah. out about that, but then I started thinking about like, well, this is a opportunity in disguise that there's, there's an opportunity here to do things that perhaps we were just saying like, Oh, I don't have the time or I don't have the energy or I don't have the motivation. Um, in order to do things in a different way than we have been. Um, so I kind of feel like the, the world, the universe has said, oh, here's the pause button. Yeah. Let's like kind of take a moment and kind of see things differently. So I agree. I, I think there is a kind of a silver lining. I, I mean, I'm glad that I have that luxury to say that. Mm -hmm. But I, I think, um, you know, on a personal level, there's a silver lining and as far as us creators and artists there definitely is um i think maybe on an environmental level there is as well but that's a whole other topic <laughs> um but you know I, I do i do believe that humans do have the capacity to find the good and the bad that that we can um you know kind of create a diamond from this that yeah. is, um, this mess and, and eventually I'm very hopeful that we'll come out the other side stronger and um, maybe changed for the better mm -hmm. yeah I would hate I would hate for us for things to go back the way they were and for yeah. all of us to kind of go back to exactly the way we were before this happened because yeah, they, uh, they weren't very good and, <laughs> and and I mean you are seeing the, the failings in in these structures set up by you know these societal structures and, and mm -hmm. And by um, you know world leaders, you, you can only hope that we also start voting for world leaders who um, it, it's about us and not them, <laughs> um, who actually have the people in mind and not not their own personal security. But again, that's a whole other. <laughs> but but I, I believe that it's all interconnected. You know, yeah. it affects everything, and we're seeing that. And I think. Yeah. One thing that, that we're all learning is even though we're all very, very much individuals, we are all very much connected. Yeah. Uh, we are all so much interdependent on each other, um, on the, uh, the, this planet, um, 
uh, different systems that have been put in place. Um, so they, they do have to improve for the better. So while I'm hoping things return to some state of normalcy, not the kind of normalcy exact, exactly that we have been experiencing where so many people have been hurting. Yeah. Um, it, it could be a lot worse for us. Like right now, I, I feel very lucky. Here we are, we're talking on computers. We're, we're in, a, in our nice homes. Um, we are able to get through this. Mm-hmm. a little easier than maybe some people right now yeah yeah um, so but yeah I, I feel we are kind of in that chrysalis stage where it's kind of scary you, you think about how vulnerable the butterflies chrysalis is kind of mm-hmm. as it's transforming i mean it, it's it's prone to birds other um predator predatory insects but if it makes it out, okay. It becomes a, a free and a whole new creature. Yeah, um, a whole new life has begun for that. Yeah, and I, th- I think I think that is a good analogy that uh, Andy J has brought up that idea of the chrysalis, and we're in that time period now. So, um, but anyway, I mean, I think that's a good place to sort of wrap this up. Um, so, just want to thank you so much for stepping in today and helping me out with my first remote podcast hey, interview I'm, exci- to be your guinea pig, Eric. <laughs> I'm excited to be able to do this with other artists and other creatives so um yeah yeah so uh any last words before we sign off um just just be good to yourself um try to see the light where you can find it and if you haven't started something creative or artistic do it now why wait now's your time <laughs> all right thanks so much steve And thank you all for listening. I'm Eric Scott. And as always, happy creating. This has been Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott. Thank you for joining me.